We're objectifying women's bodies, turning them into sexually desirable objects. But anything else is like, oh, no, 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 we can't be doing that. Yeah. An arts and craft and, and DIY <laughs> kind of platform doesn't mind so much about nudity. Whenever you do see a penis on screen, V, you get a bit of a shock because it's so unusual to see. Yeah. What's so special about the penis <laughs> that, that it has to be hidden away? If you've ever had a post banned on Facebook or Instagram for being too risque online, for example, your nipple was out and showing, today we're looking at censorship of sexual expression online. Now, for some people, it can mean your post gets taken down. For some people, it could mean your your page gets banned. And for other people, it can mean a loss of income. Welcome to Tiny Coons from Surrey Hills Therapy, our resident sexologist and pleasure activist. Last fortnight, you talked about subscription sites like Fans Only and Oh My God, Yes. Today on Let's Talk About Sex, we're going to look at censorship of online sexuality and, as I said, how it's costing some people their incomes. But let's start, Tanya, with your everyday social media user. Why might someone like to express themselves sexually online, post um, a nude photo or, or do something that is of sexual expression on the internet? Well, for, for all the same reasons that they might do something that's sexual expression, not on the internet, right? So people like to flirt. They can do it for self-esteem. Sometimes, often actually, people are looking for validation. They might be proud of their sexuality or their orientation or their gender. They might be proud of today's new look, whatever they're doing. And, and they might just be out there trying to create some desire for themselves, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, we do see different types of discrimination with censorship yeah. that comes from an external source. So somebody censoring your posts online. What do different bodies face when it comes to this sort of censorship? Um, well, it it also is what we're shown. It's what other sites are choosing to show. So if you mm. look at like mainstream porn portals, for example, you're pretty much getting um, sexual fantasy that's through the eyes of a straight cis guy. You know, they don't really show non-normative bodies um, and they don't really show all sorts of body parts. You know, and again, some nipples are okay and some are not. I, I don't understand this in the general sort of posting of things. But you, you have a look and you see that we're showing certain kinds of bodies or certain kinds of sexy um, when there are, there's all kinds of sexy going on. I, I want to talk to you about self-censorship. So when you are about to share something online, you think you look pretty good, but maybe, you know, you're naked, you've covered up your private parts, you're about to share it and you hesitate and you think, <laughs> hang on, what if my boss sees this? Maybe I won't be up for that promotion or what if a family member sees this and I get shamed at the next uh, family function? Is there a <laughs> level of self-censorship when it comes to sharing uh, or, or expressing yourself sexually online? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think a lot of it's common sense, isn't it? Uh, if you're having that pause, I've always had this life motto, if it doesn't feel right, then it isn't. So if you're having a moment of hesitation, think about that. Because if you're going to put something on social media, there's a couple of things you need to be comfortable with. If you would be happy with that in the newspaper, fine. And if you'd be happy with your grandmother seeing that, fine. Right. That's a, that's kind of like the litmus test for me. Uh, I think future employers now, they're making sure that they search people's social media. I don't agree with it, but it seems to be a, a standard part of recruitment search these days. So they, they want to see if you're getting drunk on the weekend or bad-mouthing your employer 
or wear too short skirts. I don't I don't know how this is relevant to your ability to do the job. I really don't and I'm you know pretty opposed to it. But people are insisting on that or just quietly going and looking as well and then making judgments and opinions about suitable candidates. Now, we've seen some pretty hideous stories come out in the last few years about teenaged age girls that share a photo uh, via a private messaging service like uh. Snapchat or, or just DM'd and then it gets shared around the whole school. Yeah. They end up getting bullied and the messaging coming from the teachers and maybe even the parents is you shouldn't send yep. nude or lewd photos out there. Yeah. What would you, what would you suggest we um what would you like to see it around education in this in this area? Oh, well, here's where we get my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> um I think this is a real double standard. This is the same kind of messages, don't go walking in the park at night because you might get raped. And people are allowed to send images and do whatever they like. It's their body and it's their their reputation but I would really like to see young men educated so as not to entice cajole pressure young women into sending nudes because a lot of the time they don't want to do it they feel like they have to do it to be popular or to keep their boyfriend happy Um, I think we need better consent training because this it's not okay to send a private image to everybody and what I find so amazing about this because I have many many mums coming to see me and also young women who've had this happen to them and what's happened is they've been called out in a school assembly in front of everybody and shamed for sending the nudes and the person who sent the images around without their consent has had nothing said to them at all about what a low act that is how you didn't have consent how that's actually against the law to do that Uh, It really was uncool and it causes a lot of trauma for the person who in good faith sent something privately. So I think, you know, we need to teach people that that, and also it's okay for you to be proud of your body and it's not okay for other people to shame you about your body. That's another form of online censorship as well where people start going, you shouldn't be, you're not sexy, don't put pictures up, that sort of stuff. So I think if you're going to want to send pictures to people, Use the pictures that disappear after a short time, right? You're not responsible for contributing to anybody's wank bank. Let them have those images burnt into their retinas so they can enjoy them in their own mind. Good advice. Sound Mm. advice as always from pleasure activist Tanya Coons from Surrey Hills Therapy, our resident pleasure activist and um, sexologist here on Let's Talk About Sex. Now, up next, I want to have a look at how the censorship of sexuality online can actually cost people income who Mm. work in the industry. And I just wanted to say quickly, if any of the content today has uh, given you any trouble or grief, Lifeline is on 13 11 14 or Kids Helpline. You can get onto them, one 800 55 1800 and give us a text in too if you have any questions or comments for Tanya Coons 0409 945 945 we'll be back with more let's talk about sex after this Caitlin Harnett and the Pony Boys make you feel blue. You're on Mornings with me, Bridie Tanner, and joining me, Tanya Coons, for Let's Talk About Sex. We're looking about censorship censorship, uh, of uh, sexuality (laughs) online today, and we've previously covered on our sex work 
episode, which you can listen back to on the podcast, the foster cess laws, which came in in America in 2018. Trump brought them in with the hopes, or he passed the laws, with the hopes of cracking down on child porn. But for sex workers, it's meant a loss of income through the American website Backpage, which has been shut down completely. It was a prominent website for selling sex services, and it's had huge impacts here in Australia too. Tanya, can you tell us what the outcome of the closing down of Backpage has been for Australian sex workers? Um, yeah, well, basically that was the place where sex workers all around the world could safely advertise their services and they could vet their punters and share information about you know people that weren't great as customers with each other. And so it was it's like waking up one day and realising your office is gone. There was no place for them to advertise their wares. Um, and so it became a lot of people lost money. A lot of people uh, lost the ability to be safe. It sort of uh, There was an increase in violence against sex workers. Once the punters kind of worked that out, they got a bit arsy, some of them, and wanted discounts or unsafe practices. So there was a lot of pressure in there. Um, so each country and, and each... Each state has different laws about how people can um, advertise and, and how they can work. So it's pretty important that places like this are available for them. Yeah, we've got some similar pages to Backpage in Australia that uh, sex workers are able to use. Can you tell us a little bit about Switter? Um, well, so what is the social media network for sex workers? And it's it's a paid advertising. Uh, it's it's for them to sort of talk and be okay, like replacing the sort of background vetting of um, Backpage. And there's another place called uh, an advertising platform called Tristlink. These two aren't hosted in the US, so they are not not susceptible to the foster sister laws about sex trafficking. There's also a site called Scarlet Blue, but this was recently sold off to an Eastern European operator and people are pretty afraid that their personal details are no longer safe mm. on there. And there's other sites like Escorts and Babes. There's an Australian-owned and operated site called Crocker that's trying to set up and operate as an alternative to Backpage. The issue is with these is lots and lots of very passionate and clever people are setting things up, but they're doing it in their own time. So they're limited in resources and they're limited in money and they're finding it really hard to get venture to a capital to get these things off the ground because the financial industry, it turns out, is also waging war on sex and sex industry. So many banks and financial institutions no longer want to provide services to businesses that are associated with sex. Now, when you think sex online, usually porn is the first thing that comes to mind, but it's not just porn that has been impacted by a, a cracking down of censoring yeah. sex stuff online. Tanya, you've run into a few roadblocks yourself as a sex educator trying to advertise on Facebook events that you've got coming up. Yeah, I have indeed. I mean, so many people have. I've heard of adult shops being closed down, well, having their bank accounts closed down or not being able to promote. For me, um, if I'm going to promote events because I run workshops and train people, uh Sometimes places like Facebook will let me have a promotion and other times they will not, which is really interesting. And they'll shut me down so I can have a, an event up there live, which that's the way I'm promoting and how people can buy tickets. Uh, for example, they let me um, have my workshop on how to talk about sex. That's a fairly blunt title. And that was for health professionals to how to talk about sex to their clients. But they banned me for having mismatched libidos. So I, I couldn't understand that. And sometimes it takes me three or four written appeals to say, hi, 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 I'm a legit sex educator. Here are my qualifications. Here is my business. 
you need to let me promote. And sometimes, you know, after a lot of effort on my part, screaming and yelling, they'll let me do it. And other times they won't. And I can never get to speak to a human about this. And so that it feels like my page is marked. It is. And um, for, you know, having dangerous content. So often this sort of stuff will happen. And if you ask any sex therapist or sex educator with an online presence, this is happening all the time. I want to get into why different social media platforms are so funny and have all these particular weird little rules around censorship. For example, the nipple. Uh, (laughs) Let's go to a song first and we'll come back with more Let's Talk About Sex. This is Baker Boy and Jess B on Metagen, FBI 94.5. On mornings, Bridie's my name and Tanya Coons joins us, our resident pleasure activist and sexologist. We're looking at censorship and you might have seen recently Grimes has shared a photo on Instagram uh, of her pregnant belly with a sort of baby sitting in there and she had her nipples bared. Now, Instagram, surprise, surprise, (laughs) took this photo down and she had to reshare it with her hair going over her nipples and she shared it on Twitter with no worries at all. So it's kind of got me thinking, how come some social media cares and other ones don't? Why is Instagram so snarky about the female nipple? Well, it's interesting because they're all owned by Facebook now and they're, they're very strict. So it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not so sure. I, I, look, Facebook, and it should be subsequently Instagram, um, allows uh, nipples to be shown in the context of breastfeeding, giving birth and afterbirth moments, health, like, for example, post-mastectomy, breast cancer awareness, or gender confirmation surgery, that sort of stuff, or an act of protest. That's interesting because today I think most of the nipples on Instagram are an act of protest because people are sick and tired of being censored. That is interesting. Yeah. So what can be the repercussions of, of sharing a nipple online if it's a female nipple and it doesn't fall into those categories? Um let me see. I'm just having a look here because I'm checking because Instagram actually allows a little bit more as well. Yeah. So they they let you do digital stuff, they let you do art. Um yeah, there's but yeah, so there's a lot each each one has different. Um so Instagram, you've got Pinterest who will allow artistic and non-sexualized nudity. YouTube will let nipples be shown in context. What is that? (laughs) Can they be on your body? (laughs) Or do they have to be separate? But and, And Twitter, this is what I really like. Apparently, Twitter allows everything to be shown when it comes to female nudity. However, they are the 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 experts at shadow banning people. Yeah, this is interesting. What's what does shadow ban mean? So a shadow ban is when the the social media platform marks you and they they shut down who can see your your content. So maybe it's only to people who already know you and not new people. Maybe it's not even to that. Maybe it's only to your favourites, but they don't tell you. So you don't know that you're not broadcasting out to thousands of people and getting new followers. And the hope behind this is that you'll get upset and sick of using their platform for these purposes and take your bat and ball and go somewhere else, rather than starting a new identity if you've been told that you're banned and you know doing it a different way. So there seems to be some platforms, as you mentioned, that are kind of a bit cooler about this. Pinterest, surprisingly, yeah. an arts and craft uh, and <laughs> DIY kind of platform, doesn't mind so much about nudity, they so long as it's it. non-sexualized. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, but you know, what is sexualized? I think people sexualize nudity. 
And that's a naked body is a naked body. We're, we're all sexual beings, yes, but there's a difference between being naked and being sexual. And I think what we're doing by doing this is, is creating so much shame. And once again, it seems to be about female bodies. Why is it okay to show male nipples? Why, why, why? Well, this is, <laughs> I, I think Grimes possibly was trying to push the envelope here, showing yeah. a maternity photo with the baby. Oh, all that falls under protest, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it could be debated. But anyway, Twitter's allowed her to share the original photo. Well, that's see, And so that's interesting. So I know that shadow bans are happening to people like sex workers. Mm. So I'm also interested, is it? about being sexual is it about business is it about being associated in some way with the sex industry and again we're going to have this stuff because the images that I use to promote my workshops sometimes result in me getting shut down or having a ban for a number of days could be one day could be three days could be a month I know one of the reasons that Instagram gives out is that if it wants to be an app for all ages it cannot have sexual content Right. By law. So that's like kind of its defence. Its defence. But is a naked body sexual content? This is the interesting thing. That depends who your parents are, I guess, and how you were brought up and uh, to view naked bodies as to whether they're a sexual thing or a very healthy, natural, normal thing. Because we're hiding bodies away from people so that it becomes a really strange and titillating event to see somebody naked. We're talking about censorship of online sexual expression right now and you might have noticed that it's also getting harder to change your name on Facebook or to not have your real name. Tanya, why is this particularly dangerous for those who work in sex-related industries? Yeah, well, well, think about it. For sex workers and drag performers, trans people, other marginalised folk, it can actually be life-threatening to have your real name exposed. It's better to be under a working name. And even for people like myself and other sex educators and therapists, we don't really want our clients to be able to stalk us and see what we do on the weekend. Um, I have in my terms and conditions clause for clients that they they can't be my friend on social media. I have professional sites. They're really welcome to follow those and see what I'm doing professionally. But when it comes to the weekend, that's my business. right? But for people like trans folks, drag performers, Sex workers, um, they can have acts of violence perpetrated against them. They can be trolled. There's a lot of online trolling that goes on, which is so hideous. People can be doxxed, so having their real address and names put out onto the internet for people to come find them, send them terrible mail, threaten their children, turn up at their workplace. These kinds of things are really dangerous and terrible. And and I just don't understand why we need to use our our real names when so many other places, dating sites, all sorts of places, let us use an online persona, which I think these days everyone has an online persona. Don't you, Brady? I think so. (laughs) On the text line, someone's gotten in touch. Uh, Why can I see a full nude woman on HBO uh, but nary a hint of a penis shaft? What is the, the contradiction between exploiting female bodies in some areas and then making female sexuality a no-no in other areas? Oh, boy, that's a enormous question. Thank you for that text. <laughs> um, I think it sort of comes back to, in general, the controlling of women and making women the objects of sex versus men being the subjects of sex. And again, this is... I'm not sort of wanting to finger point going, oh, look, guys are bad and this is happening. I think it's the system and the world that we're living in. It's part of a patriarchal system where men are the people who are supposed to go and seek sex and then everybody else is an object for them to try and get sex. So if we're objectifying women's bodies, turning them into sexually desirable objects, then we want to put them up there in ways that are stylized and... um, 
designed to have through that through that sort of um, heterosexual cis male gaze. So that's an okay kind of image. But anything else is like, oh, no, 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 we can't be doing that. So yeah. you can't be the wrong size. You can't be the wrong colour. You can't be doing things that, that might frighten the, the, the dominant people making the decisions. It is true, though. Whenever you do see a penis on screen, be it in the movies or TV, you get a bit of a shock because it's so unusual to see. Whereas you've probably seen, you know, breasts and uh, vulva on screen before you're even really an adult. Yeah. And so I'm I'm, I'm wondering about that, too. So what's so special about the penis (laughs) that, that it has to be hidden away? Um, and also, the, it, it, there are cert, certain censorships where they have to. Um, you can't show pubic hair, for example, but you can show a vulva without pubic hair. So, or they just kind of grey it out, not too much detail. So again, I think that's contributing towards shame of um, women's genitals. Yeah, or I was going to say vulvas. that sounds healthy, doesn't it? Oh gosh, you know, we already get enough messages that you know your junk doesn't look good, smell good, doesn't taste good, it's not nice, it gets you pregnant, you get dirty. You know, it's 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 just not great. I would rather see images that all vulvas are beautiful and they can give you so much pleasure put out there. (laughs) Tony Coons, thank you so much for joining us for Let's Talk About Sex today here on Mornings. Now you can listen back on the podcast. Just check out Let's Talk About Sex wherever you get your podcasts or you can type it in with FBI Radio online and find it there. We'll be back in a fortnight's time with more for you. And if you ever have a suggestion for Let's Talk About Sex, you know where to get us, 0409 945 945.